Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. We're still in 1 Samuel. I hadn't planned on being in 1 Samuel all the way into May, but you never know. There's more and more in there. And so we're just going to continue on with that. We've been looking at some of the main characters of 1 Samuel. We understand that we can learn from everyone. We can learn what not to do and we can learn what to do. And we've seen both of them in the book of 1 Samuel. Hannah was a great example uh, to us of what to do. Elkanah, her husband, not so much. Uh, We've seen Samuel who, what to do, and then Eli, not so much, and his sons even, even worse. We've been looking at King Saul. Now, I'm going to say King Saul now because I keep saying Paul, because I always say Saul Paul when I'm talking about the New Testament. So I'm going to try to say King Saul so I can keep it straight in my own mind. But last week we looked at King Saul and how he had all of the potential in the world. He was literally head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, he had it all going for him, but the, one of the pitfalls to his potential was disobedience to the known will of God. He, de- he deliberately disobeyed the known will of God, and that led to his downfall. There's another pitfall that we're going to look at today in his life, and it's very clear, and it's a very simple concept, and that's jealousy. Jealousy. Now, in Scripture, the word jealousy, at least in the English translations, is used a couple different ways. The first way is a positive way, and that's that God is jealous for us. But I like the word better, zeal. Okay, It just gives us a better meaning of what jealousy means, because in our culture, jealousy always has something negative. Okay, But God has a zeal for us in that He's jealous for us because we are His He doesn't want us worshiping and serving other gods because of what it does to us. And so he's jealous for us, okay, his zeal. But what we're going to look at today is the negative word for jealousy, and that means jealous. (laughs) You catch that? The negative word for jealousy, that's what we're going to see. The word means to boil or to seethe. To become so jealous that it just boils over in us and we seethe with jealousy that obviously naturally leads to anger, which I'll walk you through in just a few minutes. One person defined biblical jealousy as a greedy, prideful longing for something that someone else has, even something intangible. So it's not just a car or a house. It could be fame or promotion or or whatever else. Jealousy is part of that. Uh, James 3.16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, it kind of goes together. There's a self-centeredness involved in jealousy and in selfish ambition. And wherever those two things are uh, 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 present, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Which means that jealousy in one way is a core problem. It's a problem that brings other problems into our lives. 
And so we're going to pick up the story of King Saul today in chapter 18 after David killed Goliath. I haven't gotten to David killed Goliath yet because we're studying characters and not just chapter by chapter. So I'm going to get to David at some point. Uh, but this is after David killed Goliath. And so let's pick up in 1 Samuel 18, 5 through 16. We're going to read it all, and then I'll make some points and application from it. Whatever Saul asked David to do, we're in 1 Samuel 18, 5. David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet Saul. So you can picture a parade here, a victorious parade. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. And their song was, Saul has killed his thousands and David his what? The next verse, verse 8 says, and this made Saul very angry. Okay? Very angry. What's this, he said? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. Well, he was right in that regard. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Verse 10, the very next day. You see, you're going to see how jealousy leads to other bad things. Okay. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. If you have a question about that part of it, you can see Pastor Rick right after the service, and he will help you with that. But, but simply put, he rejected God, therefore God rejected him, and he was an empty vessel on his own and became filled with other things. Okay. Uh, the very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. And, well, let me just say this, too. Why can't God do that? Do we have, a we have trouble with God doing something? We have a trouble with God doing something we don't understand. But God is God, and if he wants to send a tormenting spirit to Saul, he can do it. How that all plays out and what, I don't know. Not God. But I'm so much not God that I'm not going to lose any of my faith based on something that I don't understand here in 1 Samuel. You see what I'm saying? All right. Um, he began to rave in his house like a madman. Watch. Jealous eye, very next day, he began to rave like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day. And I'll add to that, you know, singing praises to the Lord. But, contrast words, Saul had a spear in his hand and he suddenly hurled it at David intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. So here's the setting. David had just defeated Goliath, greatest victory that the Israelites had seen in a while. They were cowering in fear to one man, Goliath. David defeats him. The nation rallies behind. The, uh, the, the people sing a song. Saul has killed his thousands. David is ten thousands. Saul becomes jealous. That jealousy leads to anger, which leads to attempted murder. Is that not what it's saying here? Okay. Saul was, verse 12, Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did. 
for the Lord was with him. Verse 15, when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. How many understand that fear leads to greater fear? But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading the troops into battle. Here's the big takeaway. Let me pause so you can catch this and jot it down. Jealousy is bad. Did you catch that? Jealousy is bad. It's bad in itself and it's bad in what it leads to. Proverbs 27, 4 says, anger is cruel. Wrath is like a flood. That causes an immense amount of destruction. But jealousy is even more dangerous. Wow. So harboring jealousy is such a dangerous thing for us and for others. Romans, because it, it, it's dealt with in the Old Testament and the New Testament, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling or in jealousy. Look how it puts those all together. Look at some of the, the, the things here. The darkness of wild parties. Now you can imagine in Roman times, I'll let you fill that, fill that in. Drunkenness, sexual promiscuity. We know all those are bad. Immoral living. That's a lifestyle of immorality. We know those are bad, but look what's also put in the same list. Quarreling, that means not getting along with anybody and fighting over everything, and jealousy. So our large point today is jealousy is what? Bad. Okay? Somebody asks you after the service today, what did the pastor preach on? He preached on jealousy is, is bad. There are consequences to jealousy, which we've seen. First of all, jealousy leads to anger which can lead to hatred, which leads to death. Okay? Jealousy leads to anger, which leads to hatred, which leads to death. Watch, the very next day, after he seethed and boiled over with jealousy, he grabbed a spear and tried to kill David. Now, you might say, well, I'm, I'm not going to kill anyone, and my jealousy hasn't gotten to the point where I'm going to kill anyone. And that's, that's good. I, I, I would hope that it never gets to that point. But first, John says this. John was one of Jesus' closest friends and apostles. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And where did John get that from? Do you know? Sermon on the Mount. Mount. Yeah, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus taught that. So John has had 60 years-ish by the time he writes 1 John, let's say 50 years, and he's been thinking about and stewing on Jesus' words, and while he might not have understood it on the Sermon on the Mount, now he gets it. And he says, you know, it's not just about murder, because most people aren't going to murder someone. It's about hatred. And where does that hatred often come from? Jealousy. And you know that murderers don't have... Uh, eternal life within them. See, death might not be literal in that sense, but death could mean death of relationship. Jealousy will destroy relationships in your life. Death could be your spiritual life. If you harbor jealousy to the point of hatred that you wish ill on someone and you wish they would die, that's a spiritual issue. <laughs> And you might already be dealing with spiritual death. 
Okay? Death of your purpose as you focus more on other people and you're consumed with someone else's progress and not as much on your own. See, death does come from jealousy if we hang on to jealousy. Jealousy leads to fear. Mentioned twice in verse 12 and 14, Saul was then afraid of David. And when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. So fear, jealousy led to fear of David and led to greater fear. This is the type of fear that leads to paranoia in people's lives. Everyone's against me. Well, everyone's not against you. Are there some people against you? That's possible. But there's this 20, 40, 60 rule. Maybe you've heard me say this before that I, I like to apply to my life. At 20 years old, you worry what people think about you. At 40 years old, you don't care what people think. And when you hit your 60s, you realize nobody's thinking about you anyhow. <laughs> it's a good principle. For the most part, no one's sitting at home plotting your demise. Okay? No one is plotting your demise. Uh, but what leads to that? Jealousy, fear, leads to greater fear, and it leads to a sense of paranoia. Uh, fear is not just paranoia, but fear of, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not successful enough. We, we're afraid that we're not going to, going to accomplish enough. What? Based on God's purpose for your life? No. Based on the other people that you're focusing too much attention on. I'm not as successful as them. I'm not as attractive as them. I didn't get the promotion that they got. See, it focuses too much attention on other people and jealousy creeps into our heart and it begins to have a serious effect on our life and on our spiritual life because let's just imagine in the workplace that somebody gets a promotion uh, that you rightfully deserved and I'm not even doubting that. I've seen that happen a million times and you have too if you've worked in some place. Uh, the, the, the child always gets promoted over the person that's not related to the family. Am I right? And you don't have to answer this or nod or point. Please don't point. But if you're in a family business, the family's always going to get promoted above you, even if that son is a, well, I can't say idiot, because I'm not sure you can say that in church. Even if he's just a, a terrible worker. That's so nice. Who said terrible worker? That's so nice. See, I didn't think you were that nice. Yeah, just a terrible worker, but that's the way, that's the way it is. But watch, watch what happens. You have a choice to make. You can be jealous of their position, or you can just do your job. You can either focus on them, but watch what will happen. If you allow it to happen, you'll want them to fail so that you can prove that you were better than them. And you know what the core of that is? Jealousy. In fact, some people might carry it so far, and I'm sure no one in this room would carry it so far as they would sabotage that other person. Where did it start? Jealousy, anger, hatred, fear. Okay? Proverbs 14.30 says this, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Well, isn't that true? Whew. If I could have learned to deal with stress earlier in life. Okay? A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, but jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Wow. That's what jealousy will do to you. It will eat you from the inside out and affect other people 
in your lives. Number three, jealousy leads to losing what you were most trying to hold on to. I know that's a long phrase there, but jealousy will lead you to lose what you were most trying to hold on to. What Saul wanted to hold on to more than anything else was the kingdom. He wanted to be the king. And what did he lose? His kingdom. Okay? And so whatever it is that you will try to control and hold on to the most is the very thing you will lose. And this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And it's an issue of, and we've talked about this a million times, it's an issue of control. When we want to control everyone and everything around us, if I can break it down for you simply, it is you want to be God. Because only God can control everything around us. You want to control everything so that you can have the perfect life. No one has a perfect life except God and they crucified Jesus. And so we want to avoid every, every bit of pain, and so we try to control everything around us. Listen, I'm not saying, you know, create situations that add more drama to your life. I can never figure that out. Life is hard enough. I don't, maybe yours isn't. But life is hard enough without creating your own drama. And even worse than that is getting involved in someone else's drama that's not yours. I cannot figure out why people would do that. To me, I, look, I sit back and I watch these things happen and I say, wow, their life must be so easy that they have nothing else to concern themselves with, so let's be concerned about everybody else's drama too. You know, I'm being sarcastic, right? So you catch that, I think most of you know that. See? Because, so we want to control. So from Adam and Eve, they had the desire to be God. Satan came to them and said, here's the, here's the issue. I know what God did. I know he created. I know God is great and I, because I've been in God's presence. But here's the part that you, Adam and Eve, don't know, is that God doesn't want you to be like him. And that's why he said, don't eat that. Because if you eat that, you'll be like God. And they're thinking, ooh, that's a good deal. Because I want to be like God. And you know what happens when we yield to temptation? We're saying we want to be God, that we know better. You know what happens when we try to control everyone and every situation around us? Is there's this inner desire to want to be God, and it's the highest form of idolatry. Because we're not worshiping something man-made, we're worshiping ourselves. It's the highest form of idolatry. Jealousy leads you, and then so we hold on tightly to the very things we should be letting go of. Okay? Parents, be careful. You don't want to control your children in order to get them to do everything you want them to do. You want to influence them. Well, let, me, let me just break this down for you real quickly. I'm going to ask a favor of you two. If you could just uncross your arms, be very appreciative. Nice. That way when you need an offering, I won't do this either. Um, little joke there. Nobody got that? No? Can't get the... No? Good? No? I thought it was funny. Guess not. Um, I forgot because I thought that was funny and nobody laughed. You, you, it messed up my flow because I thought that was funny. What was I talking about? Anybody know? You know? 
No, because your arms were crossed. That's, no, I'm just kidding you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll still have my car washed. I promise. I promise. Um, okay, wanting to control everything. Oh, parents. I know what it was. Parenting, you always want to lead and parent towards relationship. Okay? And there are a couple ways that you do that. At an early age, you have to discipline your children. Because if you don't discipline them, they will become so wild. And know what, you won't want to be around them, and they won't want to be around them. You, you don't leave a garden. You don't leave a garden go. You have to weed that garden. Is that right or wrong? But some parents just let their kids do whatever they want. That's not a good idea. And so, because when they're young, you, you, you have the opportunity to discipline them. And then what happens by the time they grow older, you got no shot. You've already lost your influence. They're already running you, and you're not running them. You're not leading them. You're leading, uh, they're leading you. Okay, you lose that at, at some point. But the other aspect of it is you don't get them to obey by controlling them and dominating them. You get them to obey through your love and sacrifice for them because you're parenting towards relationship. I think the best part of parenting is when your kids get old enough, when they're out of the house and, and all of these things, that you have a, a, a great relationship with them. And they still want to come home and they still call and they still keep in touch with you and, and all of these other things. But watch, let me bring it back to the point. When you want to control every aspect of their life, as soon as they have opportunity to get out of that control, they will. And so the very thing you wanted to hold on to the most is the very thing you'll lose. Okay? Now, letting go of our children is very, very difficult. We let our children go to college in Virginia, and they haven't come back since. And I hate that. But I'm going to fix them someday by showing up with my suitcase. <laughs> you know that little song, Saul has killed his thousands, David is ten thousands. I have a little song for my kids. It's, that's all right, that's okay, we're going to live with you someday. <laughs> But what you want to control the most is what you will ultimately lose. The very thing that you wanted the most. Grandparents, grandparents, be careful to try to control your adult children or to try to control your grandchildren. Be careful. The very thing you want the most is the very thing that you'll lose. Love them. Don't control them. One other quick thing, because I didn't want to get into all this. There's a dichotomy between love and power. Whoever has more power has less love, and whoever has uh, more love has less power. Okay, now think of a uh, dysfunctional dating relationship, and I'll just say the boy, uh, the, the girl is insanely in love with this boy, and he knows that. And he, uh, I don't even mean in a moral way, but controls every aspect of her life. He has power over her life, but he doesn't really love her. Because he doesn't want what's best for her, he wants what's best for him. And so you see the dichotomy there. The more power you exert, the less love you have. The more love you have, the less power you exert. And Jesus proved that on the cross. You see how that works? All right, okay. So grandparents, be careful. Leaders of all sorts, whatever, whatever you lead. And all of us are leaders in one way or another, whether it's our own lives or in the home or at work or whatever it is. Be careful. Be careful that you don't let jealousy, anger lead to such strong control that you end up losing the very thing that you're longing for. All right.
So there's three negative aspects that jealousy leads to. Anger, which leads to hatred, to death. Number two, jealousy leads to fear and more fear. And jealousy leads to losing what you were most trying to hold on to. That's what happened to Saul. Now, how do we control jealousy? How do we control jealousy? We're all going to have times of being jealous. Okay? How do we control it? What do we do with it? It's going to happen. Just like anger is going to happen, we're emotional people, what are we going to do with it? Number one, rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. That's in Romans 12, 14, and 15. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. A jealous person can never pray for someone that they think is over them or better than them. They can't do it. They can't bless them because they're angry that they're succeeding. And they're not. So that breaks that. And then the New Living Translation says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. The first way to break the control of jealousy is stop thinking only of yourself and start thinking of others. And rejoice with those that are rejoicing. And mourn with those that are mourning. If you can't be happy for someone that's succeeding, that's really a you issue. That's really something going on in your own heart, and that's really a mirror into our own heart. See, I mean, I love our church more than what I can, can tell you, and, and I love celebrating everything together. We just, we're a good celebrating church. And I know it involves food. You're welcome. <laughs> but what an awesome time. We celebrate one another. We celebrate the accomplishments of our children. We celebrate the accomplishments of, of, of everyone and everything. A jealous person can't do that. Stop thinking of yourself. Think of others. Bless others. Lord, I pray that you would give them more blessing in their life. Try that with a jealous spirit. You'll choke on those words. Rejoice in their success and, and mourn when they suffer a loss. Don't rejoice that they're hurting. That's, that's also bad. See how simple it is? Jealousy is, is, is bad. Wanting bad things to happen to other people is also it's bad. See? Ecclesiastes 4.4 4 says, uh, Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because of the envy of their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Jealousy. Bless what you can bless. Rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. I don't know. I don't know that I've experienced this so much at, at this church, but I've seen it and I've, I've heard it, is that we can sometimes, as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't become so judgmental that we can't rejoice with others that rejoice. And sometimes I've seen this, again, not, not really here that I know of or in my own life, but like people are afraid to get a new car or something because they're afraid of what other people will say. To me, I'm thrilled. Thank God you got a job. Thank God you have a nice car that when you, you know, turn it on to go to church, you can get there. I'm thrilled when other people succeed. And you know what? I have opportunity to succeed too. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just a terrible way to live, just looking at somebody, oh, they got a new car, they must be whatever. Well, don't be like that. That is also bad. 
Oh, they got a new house. Look where they live. They must. They must what? Work hard? They must have sacrificed and gone to college, stayed up all night studying so they could pass, pass the certification that they needed in their known field, worked enough years to elevate themselves to make a decent living salary. Yeah, they must have what? Sorry, that's a little strong. I just don't really like that kind of stuff. Work hard. I don't know what to tell you. Put up with garbage at work so you can advance someday. I don't know what to tell you. It's all I got. How many are almost ready for pastor to be done? Amen. Cross your arms if you're ready for him to be done. There's another boy that ain't getting no uh, offering. These guys I was teasing, this one actually raised his hand and said, yes, I wish pastor was done. <laughs> number two, honesty. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, number two, give credit and take responsibility. Something else a jealous person can't do is give credit to someone else because they have to take the credit all for themselves. That was Saul's big thing. He didn't accept responsibility for a Goliath. He was a head taller than everybody else, and he was the leader of Israel. And Goliath mocking God was really Saul's fault. He, he needed to rally the troops, okay? but he didn't want to face defeat. He was so afraid of defeat that he did nothing, and then he was defeated, right? And he couldn't give credit, and he, he, he couldn't um, uh, accept the blame. If you're a jealous person, you can't give credit to other people, nor can you accept responsibility for your own choices, so don't do that. Give people credit where they deserve it. Honor and bless people. Congratulate people. Encourage people. And when you make a mistake, take responsibility for it. That's all. It's as simple as that. Romans 12, 16 says, Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I love that phrasing. And don't think you know it all. So insecure know-it-alls can never give credit or take blame. So my notes say this. I'm a very simple person. Don't be an insecure know-it-all. You can jot that down. Don't be like that. Don't be an insecure know-it-all because you can never give blame and you'll never take responsibility. Jealousy will rule and reign in your heart. Number three. This is the last one. It's the last one. I'm almost done. Okay. This is an important one. Don't seek the applause of man, but the applause of the nail-scarred hand. Don't seek the applause of man, but the applause of the nail-scarred hand. If you're in a position to receive applause, be careful. And I don't mean this and standing ovations. I just mean, and listen, we all want to, the approval. I want it, you want it. I had the privilege of speaking to our pastors in the southern section on Tuesday, and, and it went well. And I, I got a lot of compliments on it, and I like that. I, I would have felt bad if they said, that was horrible, don't ever do that again, you stink, and we don't know why they allow you to pastor. Okay? There's a difference between liking that and living for it. Because when you live for the applause of other people, you're going to compromise at some point. But when you live wholly committed to Jesus Christ, you won't get the approval of some people. 
But there's one in heaven that died for you, that still bears the scars of the cross, that when you serve him, and that's the only applause that we need in life and in the life that is to come. When you allow jealousy to take root, again, I'm just going to finish up. We'll all feel jealous at different times. When we feel that way, what do we do with it? If we allow it to linger, it'll lead to anger and hatred. It'll lead to fear and more fear if we allow that to happen. And then we will lose the very thing that we're trying to hold on to the most, just like Saul. How do we deal with it? How do we control jealousy? Rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. Give credit to others and take responsibility. Number three, don't seek the applause of man, but the applause of the nail-scarred hand. When you live for God, the nail-scarred hand applauds. And that's all you need. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.